It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, joined as we are every Monday by Lindsey Crosby. Boy, we were all wrong last week, and man, it felt good for those who stayed up past midnight to watch the Tigers end the curse that has been haunting us since 1999. Lindsey, what a freaking game for the Auburn Tigers. Man, 22 years since Auburn has won in Baton Rouge. And to not only do it, but to do it in the way that they did. Uh, with with Bo Nix really, I mean, picking this team up and willing them to victory. It was right. so, it was definitely something to watch. It was no amazing. question. No question about it. And, and so uh, a, a lot of things to get to. First things first. Apologies for audio quality for watching on YouTube. Doesn't look quite as good. Doing this from a hotel room in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, but uh, having a great time up here. The um, the worst thing, though, Lindsay, about being so far away from Auburn is uh, there's no fetch me home delivery because it's a local service throughout the Lee County area. Meal delivery is just not the same anywhere else. If you haven't checked them out and you're kind of relying on the big three, check out Fetch Me if you're in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area. They're the best at what they do. FetchMeDelivery.com or their free Fetch Me app, and use promo code LOCALMEAL, L-O-C-A-L-M-E-A-L, Local Meal. If your order's over 30 bucks, they will save you some money. That is at FetchMeDelivery.com and the free Fetch Me app. Where to start? I, I guess you got to start with Bo Nix. So much quarterback um, discussion happening going into the game. And then um, we, we heard, uh, I guess Tom Green broke the news that uh, Bo Nix would be the starter. It was starting to kind of feel that that was the way that it was all trending based on how little we heard about the quarterback battle and people freaked out. And then he had a few drives where it looked kind of the same as it did a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they always got to LSU territory. Then the, the, the offensive drives would just stall, which was kind of interesting, but then Finley comes in for a drive and then Bo Nix comes back in. So Interesting, and when you and I were talking before we press record, Lindsay, but uh, that Finley situation was scripted, and though it was scripted, it was still a little odd to me. I, I'd love to kind of get a deeper glance of what was going on there, but all in all, like you know, how Harson handled Bo Nix from this past Saturday to uh, to LSU, 
it worked. I mean, we saw a brand new, different type of Bo Nix. We saw what we thought we were getting with Bo Nix three years ago. Yeah, you know, when you bring in a five-star quarterback uh, to to lead your team, this is the kind of game that you expect them to have. You know, yep. where they, you know, not something where they come in and they they're a game manager and a complimentary running game and a strong defense gets you a victory, but where I mean, he goes out, Bo Nix accounts for 329 yards of offense and two touchdowns. And and arguably, I mean, he is the sole reason that we won this game. The switch to Finley was a little bit odd. And I think Harson said that it was something Finley had earned in practice and had earned based on Georgia State last week. But when Bo Nix came back in the game, to me, that was the turning point from a rough first quarter, both offensively and defensively, into what the rest of the game was, which was Auburn won the last three quarters of the game right. and ultimately came out with the victory. Yeah. So staying on Bo Nix, because uh, the, the last three quarters, I think the defense is honestly a bigger story there. But let's, let's stay with Bo Nix for just a minute here. It's like the first two seasons when he was playing for Gus, he was all in on his legs, whether it was design runs, which I still think we could see more of. Mm-hmm. But also, even in passing plays, we all talked about how we wanted to you know, flush to his right even when he didn't need to. And then the first few games of this season, it's like he was dead set on staying in the pocket no matter what. And now it's like something clicked. He had that big play, the touchdown to deal that we're going to see in highlight tapes for years, as we should, which is going to be awesome. Um, it's like something switched in his head where he figured out the proper balance between mm-hmm. – being an athlete, just being an athletic quarterback, a guy that can move and use his legs, but also use his arm while keeping things, uh, you know, looking downfield. It's like if he finally figured out what the balance was. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and it's honestly, this is reducing it to simplicity. We have no idea what made him realize that, but you can just picture last week uh, when TJ Finley comes in and throws that touchdown pass to Shedrick Jackson, where in that play, you see TJ Finley use his legs to escape pressure, keep the play alive. And if I'm Bo Nix on the sidelines, I'm thinking, I can do that. You know, I shouldn't just insist on sitting in the pocket all the time because I can do that too. And you saw it. You know, he that scramble drill touchdown. I was sitting there counting last night. I mean, six guys have a chance to sack Bo Nix. He evades all six, throws a touchdown pass to Tyler Fromm, and it's, it's something where, you know, he, he obviously realized, okay, okay, I need, like, I can't just, I wanted to make a point with the pocket stuff. It's maybe not necessarily working based on game script, based on personnel. Let me just go out and play football. Let me stop focusing on a specific thing and just go out and play football. And you saw it work. It reminded me a lot. I made this point on Twitter Saturday night and on after the game. It reminded me a lot of some of those Johnny Manziel games where he would spin out of sacks, he'd scramble around to keep the play alive, yeah. and he would just throw a ball, and it would work out every time. And it felt like that's what Bo Nix was doing last uh, Saturday night. Yeah, and I think I think Bo can kind of fit into that role. That not maybe not what Johnny Football did, but more of like what um, what Baker Mayfield maybe could have done at Oklahoma mm-hmm. or what he did do at Oklahoma. I think that's kind of what the ideal way to use Bo Nix is, but we've seen this coaching staff kind of, and maybe it wasn't the coaching staff. Maybe it was Bo just wanted to stay in the pocket. I I don't know. We may never know the answer to that, but yeah. Good, yeah and you're right about, um, you're right about Fromm. Thank you for correcting me there. But between uh, John Samuel Shanker and Tyler Fromm, I mean, 
Auburn's uh, Auburn's passing attack through the tight end. Auburn fans have wanted it for forever, and uh, they finally got it. And we've seen Shanker be uh, be a big part of this offense all season, but we're starting to see more tight ends get involved now. And some of that may be game plan stuff. Some of that may be Bo Nix getting better at kind of using more options. But there's a lot to be excited about in that regard. Yeah, I mean, this was the first 100-yard game from an Auburn tight end since Andy Fuller against Florida in 1994. Just uh, John Samuel Schenker was a reliable target, and it wasn't it wasn't fluky. It wasn't like John Samuel Schenker had a busted coverage where he got open and got most of those yards on one play. I mean, there was a play-action throwback. There was, you know, just curls just sitting in, sitting in a zone right at the sticks waiting for a first down. There was, I mean, multiple different ways where John Samuel Schenker – was a standard tight end like we haven't seen at Auburn in a long time, but like you see every Saturday and Sunday when you're watching football. Um, so I was amazed when I went back at the end of the game and looked how much of our passing offense went through the tight ends and the backs. Quite yeah. a few passes to to the running backs. I think uh, Sean Shivers had five receptions, didn't have a single carry in the game, and it's just one of those where. To me, that's a sign of the growth of Bo Nix, where he's throwing to the tight ends, he's throwing to the running backs, he's taking what the defense gives him, and then when he has an opportunity to keep a play alive and hope to get more, he's doing it, and it worked out Saturday night. Yeah, 5 for 38 for Shivers, and that's a topic I'd love to talk about in just a moment. Hey, today's show brought to you by our good friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. And I know that, that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. And so if you've got a good feeling looking ahead for Auburn, Georgia, if you want to look and see what kind of props that they have at prizepicks.com, be sure to do that. And when you use your deposit, uh, be sure to use promo code locked on. You'll get a hundred percent instant deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on an entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com today. Use promo code locked on, or you can go to the app store and download the app today. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. Also, today's show brought to you by our good friends at Made In. It's been a little bit since you heard us talk about Made In, but they create uh, and provide really awesome top notch kitchen um, tools and equipment. And I've got a um, I've got a, a frying pan from Made In, and it's top-notch. I know some other hosts throughout the Locked On Podcast Network, they have some Made In knives. They're awesome. So right now, Made In is offering listeners 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware.com slash LOCKEDON. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash LOCKEDON. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today on this Monday. Lindsey, let's talk about the defense because the defense was – I know people are going to talk about Bo Nix, and they should because he mm -hmm. deserves it. But the way that this team was able to adjust and to adapt, I think that's going to be a huge part of what we talk about moving forward with what Derek Mason has been able to do with this defense. Yeah, you know, and one of the complaints that we've heard quite a bit this season was about those incredibly talented number one receivers just having their way against Auburn. We all remember what Dotson did in that Penn State game. And yeah. at the end of the first quarter, you know, you're looking at, at uh, Kayshawn Booty 
for LSU, and he's Boutte. got four. Boutte, sorry, Boutte. He's got four catches for 114 yards and a touchdown after the first quarter, and you're thinking, oh, no, this is going to be one of those games where, yeah. where it's just – he destroys us. He finishes the game with six catches for 127 yards. So he gets 13 yards after the first quarter. Auburn just clamps down, doesn't let it happen. Um, pass rush. You know, a game, you're missing TD Moultrie. You're missing Owen Papo. You saw a lot of pass rush. You saw a lot of just impacting the quarterback. It, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet like, a, like it should, but Eku Leota had a great game probably played more snaps than he's played in any game at Auburn so far, yep. but he made him count. He definitely made him count. And just overall, after the first quarter, you saw Auburn adjust early to what LSU was doing, and they didn't score another touchdown the whole rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they got more physical as the game went on, which I think that's kind of what we thought this defense would be. It's like in the first quarter they kept doing what they've been doing over the past few weeks. It's like they wanted to see if it worked one more time or something like that, and then – they kind of started going more with with what you thought this would be, and that'd be a team that could rush the passer, and it'd be a team that was going to be physical in the back end. And we finally saw it, and that's something that should excite a lot of Auburn fans. And obviously, obviously, it did. I mean, there were a lot of Auburn fans were ready to fire Derek Mason at halftime. They were ready, like it, mm-hmm. they they did not want him to come back out with the team in the second half. But obviously, it's fortunately good that that. that um, that they did, and you know who knows? Was this a Harson decision? Was this a Derek Mason decision? As far as adjustments, I don't know, and honestly, it doesn't matter. But it's a huge deal with what they were able to do. You mentioned Ekuliota starting because TD Moultrie wasn't there. I mean, he I, I 100% agree with you. He was uh, he was always kind of breathing down Max Johnson's neck. He wasn't quite getting there, but he was impacting the game. I thought Derek Hall had a really outstanding game. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing what the PFF numbers are for him. He was kind of always there, including that bogus targeting call that I, I'm actually kind of surprised they picked that up and said no. But still, um, he that would have been a big deal if he would have been gone because he had a really good second half for the Auburn defense. And then Owen Papo missed, and obviously that's a huge deal. And that was the first one where I was like, oh, no. Is Auburn going to yeah. be able to kind of, you know, succeed without him? Because we kind of expected LSU to pass the football on. And Owen's a little bit better in coverage than some of these other linebackers. And – um, Zacoby McLean's a freak, but he got 12 tackles again. And he just, he quietly gets double digit stops every single game, virtually every single game. He's so good at that. He's so good at being close to the football. He's rising up draft boards because of it. But Auburn's front seven is the best that it's looked, um, this season, in my opinion. Yeah. And going over the notes, the first time where I really made a note on my pad here while I was watching the game sure. was, the the red zone look at the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, when we held him to a field goal. And that's where you you saw something changed in the play calling. We, we got tighter coverage on the receivers on the outside. We started showing blitz looks. And, you know, we actually, I believe it was Derek Hall, got a sack. And we only rushed four. But we had seven on the line when the ball was snapped. So LSU yeah. didn't have protection set up correctly. Um, it, it, it looked a lot more like what people have been asking for versus like you said, they, they Mason called the same thing he was calling in the first quarter. We saw Boutte went off for 114 yards. And then from there we adjusted and shut him down the rest of the game. Um, that's, that's gotta be, if, if Bo Nix is not your storyline of the game, that has to be the defense stepping up and holding LSU to 
nothing but four field goals after the first quarter. And these guys on the back end, you, your Roger McCreary's, your Zion Puckett's, even by Darius Nine when he got that pick late, I'm really glad that he got one. But these guys are so much better when they're able to get hands on the other guys. Like early on, you, you mentioned Boutte having a big first quarter. Half of his production, and, and I don't think – I think I'm actually being literal here, was that one play where he got some separation from Roger McCreary because McCreary kind of got uh, essentially picked by our own guys as far as, you know, uh, just kind of getting lost in traffic there. But you saw them kind of get more of their hands on these – LSU pass catchers, which is what we've seen for Auburn defenses for the last, you know, four or five years. Is they're so much better when they're able to be more physical on the edge and, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. So that's something that's exciting to me. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think there's going to be a lot better feeling about this team moving forward mm -hmm. because of what the defense was able to do against LSU and Baton Rouge Saturday night. And a lot of it was the guys that you necessarily haven't heard a lot about this season. Zion Puckett had a big game. Nehemiah Pritchett had a good game. By Darius Knight, five tackles, that pick at the very end of the game. I mean, he was cons consistently around the ball. Um, and so it's, it's, it's contributions where you didn't necessarily expect them. The names we've talked about, Owen Papo, T.D. Moultrie, not there. Roger McCreary did have that 55-yard gain to Boutte, but... But outside of that, it's some of these unheralded guys. And to me, it, it makes the point that this staff has earned the benefit of the doubt on the players they brought in. Because a lot of the guys who made the impacts last night, whether on offense or on defense, you saw um, you saw Bidarius Knighton with five tackles. You saw yeah. Eku Leota with a bunch of quarterback hurries and a sack. Right. Looking at offense, you saw Demetrius Robertson with six catches. You know, this staff, the guys they've brought in, they've, I think now it's finally clicked. Here's where everybody's strengths are and how we can best use them in the scheme we're trying to run. And this, if this Auburn team that we saw Saturday night plays Penn State again, there's a good chance they win that game. If, and it's, 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 you have to feel a lot better going into this SEC slate with that LSU win than you did after Georgia State. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, winning winning heals a lot of things. It makes you forget about a lot of things. Um, I don't think Auburn fans are too worried about the Georgia State uh, uh, performance anymore because of what happened Saturday night, and they shouldn't be. You, you beat a team in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1999. That's a big deal. I don't think any of the players on this team were alive the last time that happened, so that's awesome. Tony Fair is like 37 years old. He was there, but that's it. You're right. You're right. Uh, really surprising move by Tony Fair jumping off sides in that key situation. That was um, that was not um, something you would expect from him. Not a veteran move on fourth and one. You know, and again, that was part of that that first quarter where we just kind of struggled offensively and yeah. defensively, and it felt like it felt like we were playing with a little bit too much energy. We hyped ourselves up for that hostile environment, arguably the most hostile environment we've, uh, we've played in all season. Shout out Penn state. Right. Uh, and, and, and after that first quarter, they really seemed to calm down. Uh, Tony, you know, we didn't see a lot of procedure penalties. We didn't see a lot of those self-inflicted errors that we've seen in previous games, either on offense or on defense. And so, I think going to Penn State helped these guys be used to that kind of noise, that kind of environment, and ultimately why we saw th this team come out with a victory. 
How about uh, JJ Pegues in the jumbo package? You all for it? You know, it's he's good at it. He's good at it. Good. I I just feel like that we're putting that on film just to set something up off of it later. Like I can see third quarter of the Iron Bowl, we're down by ten because you know we're trying to keep it close, and Pegues is in there, and we've used him eight times this season to block in the red zone. You know, in a jumbo package and he slips out and catches a touchdown pass. Like, I'm just going to call it now. We're setting something up with that. We have plenty of tight ends on this roster. I'm all for it. No, I think that'd be great. I think it'd be great. Uh, you, you mentioned Demetrius Robertson when you were listening to some of the transfers that made impact Saturday night. Um, I love – I both love it and am frustrated by it, but I think it's a net positive for me that there's kind of been a different primary option in the receiving game virtually every game. Some mm-hmm. weeks it's Robertson. Uh, last week it was Kobe Hudson. Um, there was, uh, what, against Alabama State, it was Shedrick. So, like, I, I like that different guys are stepping up each time. And I kind of wonder if that's game plan stuff or if it's um, or if it's just kind of the flow of the game and certain guys get open and Bo Nix finds them. I'd love to know. But that's um, I think that's going to long-term be a strength of this team when you're preparing for Auburn, there's not one guy in the receiving game that you can key in on. I mean, we can even throw in John Samuel Shanker as far as, you know, potential number one targets on any given play. I think there's a lot of upside there. Yeah. And, and having it where it's not as predictable, like we know on, on defense, we can take Roger McCreary and we can put him on a guy. And we saw this Saturday night with Boutte after the first quarter, Roger McCreary pretty much followed him around the rest of the game, held him to two catches. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like we're probably not necessarily picking a player before the game, but we were the players, the coaching staffs aware of the matchups. They're aware of here's who's going to be, you know, here's who we think will cover Kobe Hudson. Here's who we think will cover Demetrius Robertson, John Samuel Schenker. And then once we get in the game, we'll take a couple plays. We'll try throw into everybody, see who's doing well in that matchup and who's not. And then we'll start picking on that guy. And, We've seen that. You love it. It's also a little frustrating from the sense of it looked like last week some of the like the feature of Kobe Hudson maybe wasn't working out as well as we wanted. If we try to key in on one specific matchup and our player isn't always making it happen, right. you're going to struggle a bit. But it's good to know that we can keep that that flexibility on offense. And it's something we're going to have to do while we see teams continue to sell out to stop mm-hmm. our running game. Can I say one quick thing about Kobe Hudson? Such a natural wide receiver. He is a natural wide receiver. There's no question about it. Hey, today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. I eat Built Bars all the time. They are delicious. I get messages from listeners all the time saying, thank you so much for turning me on the Built Bars. And they'll send me pictures where they got like four or five boxes. So the Built Bar movement's a thing. It looks and tastes like a candy bar. And, you know, all their bars very high in protein, very low in calories, very low in sugar. Most of the bars um, have a flare, uh, a macro breakdown of 70 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. They're delicious. Go to built.com, get a box for yourself. Use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get a uh, 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. 
So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsay, we've got a um, we've got a few minutes left here, and I think Saturday. I mean, obviously beating LSU is a big deal, but the the other things when you look what happened around the league, Texas A and M isn't very good. I don't think. Um, you look at uh, you look at Florida falling apart against Kentucky. Ole Miss seems very beatable now. I mean, obviously Auburn uh, is not going to be able to do exactly what Alabama did to them, but I think um, it kind of puts a lot of stuff on tape where you look at it and it's like, okay, they're extremely beatable. Um, Georgia looks like a you know Georgia looks like a freight train, but what they did to Arkansas, it's like okay, I, I think the talent gap is going to really hurt Arkansas when they play top tier SEC teams. And, you know, the way A&M looked um, all of a sudden that game's not as impressive. So I think while this weekend's matchup is going to be really, really tough for Auburn, I think the rest of, you know, this kind of gauntlet of the SEC schedule, I think it looks easier than it did a week ago. Yeah. You, you can't be intimidated at this point based on what we saw last night and what we uh, what we saw Saturday and what we saw from the you know from the league Florida going from taking Alabama pretty much to the wire to getting beat by Kentucky uh Texas A&M is not a good football team I'm sorry I, just not a good football team I and love Arkansas Calzones are great Calzones are not good quarterbacks no uh they don't I mean you ever see you ever seen a Calzone th- th- throw a touchdown pass I haven't and um, and Arkansas is going to be a problem because they're going to fight. But if you have the athletes, you can, you know, you saw the Georgia game. I mean, Vegas, Vegas got everybody on that because we were thinking, oh, 18 and a half is easy money to cut for Arkansas to cover. And they got they got doubled up. Um, Alabama. Well, no, I picked Georgia on that one now. They didn't get everybody. They didn't get everybody. That's right. They didn't get everybody. They got me. They yeah. got me. Um, they didn't get everybody. You picked, You did pick Georgia. That's right. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you have to not be – so now Arkansas, you have to go to Arkansas. But that game feels like it's a little more winnable as long as you go in and execute. Uh, Texas A&M, that game doesn't feel like it's terrifying. And, and Old Miss is a good team. But mm-hmm. Old Miss looks a little beatable. It looks like same thing. If you can get your athletes and they can make plays, you can beat Old Miss. And so we've talked about the gauntlet that we have to run, starting with LSU and a bunch of ranked teams. And most of those teams are still going to be ranked, but so are we. And it's not as scary as it was after that performance at LSU, especially if we see LSU Bo Nicks. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, several folks are saying, okay, with this four-game stint now, can, you know, if Auburn goes two and two, that's a big win. I now think three and one is very realistic. You got one of them out of the way. I I don't think Auburn beats Georgia. But all of a sudden, you look at it, and it's like, I think they can beat Arkansas. And I think they can beat Ole Miss. And all of a sudden, if you can do that, you're back in everything. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Lindsay, but because – then your two losses are to Georgia, which may be one or two, depending on you know how they vote that week, but probably number two until Alabama 
um, if Alabama loses. But and then Penn State's number three. We're assuming because Oregon lost. You know, at the time of us recording this, the new polls aren't out. But I would assume that Penn State will be number three um, in most polls moving forward. And so all of a sudden, it's like, okay, everybody talks about quality losses. And Auburn's two losses will be to the number two and the number three team. And they care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if Auburn's able to take care of business and beat ranked Arkansas and ranked Ole Miss, you're looking at a top 15 team when it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and then Alabama. We could have a scenario where Auburn finishes the season and their only losses are to the number one, two, and three teams in the country. Yeah. Alabama, uh, Georgia, and Penn State. And so – that like that's a win. That for the season one of Brian Harson, that is absolutely a win. And you have to feel good about the direction of the program. And isn't it so funny? Because after last week, a lot of the conversation among the fan base was we might go 0 and 5 in this next stretch of games. Right. And you know, and now we're realistically talking about, I mean, we may lose one of these. We might lose two of these. Mm-hmm. Four and one's realistic. Well, that's what made this game against LSU such a big deal. It's because it felt like a turning point game. Because if you couldn't beat LSU and look, look, it's tough to win Baton Rouge, but LSU's not a good football team. Uh, I still stand by that. I don't think they're a good football team. But going on the road to winning there and winning there is hard. It's tough to do. So especially when you've got to battle the whole fact of like, oh, your team hasn't done it since 99. So I think there's a lot to take from Saturday as a whole and say, wow, what a great day for the Auburn Tigers. Because – all of a sudden, you can look at it and it's like, okay, all right. Our, you know, th- just everything in front of you seems a lot more reasonable and a lot more achievable. The big thing is Fayetteville two weeks from now. That's going to be kind of the next step where it's like, okay, Harshan, if you're going to do this, if nine and three is on the table still, you've got to take care of business in Fayetteville. And there's still going to be a big chunk of Auburn fans that think that Alabama is beatable. And I think they are. Weird things happen when the Iron Bowl's in Jordan Hare. So I'm not going to discredit that by any stretch. But if you want to go nine and three, you've got to take care of business at Fayetteville when you host Ole Miss and when you go to College Station. And I think after Saturday, they can do all of that. Lindsay, sounds like you guys had a great time uh, at after the game at Sky Bar on, uh, on Saturday night. How'd that go? It went really well. We had a lot of great callers coming in with some just some some great facts, some great parallels to to between Bo Nix and Patrick Nix, some of their you know featured road victories. Talking about John Samuel Schenker having a great uh, a, a great and pretty much historic night for Auburn. Got yeah. home about about one fifty a.m. Central Time, so that was um, that was fun, but definitely worth it after the game. If you haven't listened. Uh, after an Auburn football game, tune into ESPN 106.7. It's a great two hours. Some of our friends, uh, Charlie Five is on some of those. Lance is on some of those. And I was yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah. No, uh, you, you did a great job. Um, thanks for stepping up. <laughs> when we scheduled that. We did not know the game would be ending at midnight. <laughs> so you drew the short straw on that one, but you handled it like a champ. So thank you for that. Lindsay, where can people find you and hear you, buddy? I am at Auburn Banker on all the social media and in the Discord, and you can listen to me 7 to 9 Monday through Friday on News Talk WANI. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black. We're on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. Tomorrow, Charlie 5 joins us for a Charlie Tuesday in the morning, and then tomorrow afternoon, we should get another sit-down conversation with Auburn linebacker Chandler Wooten. I can't wait to hear about his trip 
Um, uh, that's going to be a really fun interview. That's going to be a really fun interview. So be sure to check that out as well. I'll both be on YouTube and on the podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.